There are times in the church, and there are times in, in the moves of God, that God is here and you're here. And you, you, you kind of think it's same old, same old, and it's not. It's just you haven't gotten here yet. And there were things in the spirit that the Lord was showing me right now that are happening that you're unaware of because you're just trying to survive. And you're not dreaming for what God has next. It's not a judgment, okay? It's not a judgment. You know, this has been a season for Victoria and I of uh, suffering and great joy. Uh, We just welcomed our first grandson. And so uh, we're super blessed, super blessed. We're... I'm all messed up now, uh, so it's it's been exciting. Josh and Jessica had uh, Luke, Joshua Castaños, uh, Lucas Josue, and uh, so we're super blessed. He's amazing, um, and then Joseph just got engaged. So him and him and Kenna are going to be married in a year, and uh, so we're again, and then in all of that. We had a flood in our house. Praise the Lord, uh, praise the Lord indeed. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a real challenge because in about uh, October, uh, we were doing just a minor, um, a minor remodel in our kitchen. And so then what happened was uh, we got a new dishwasher and somebody forgot to turn off the hot water. It wasn't me. It was the contractor. And he flooded our whole house. And so uh, we're still living out of boxes right now. And so it's been real. But we don't, we don't put it on Instagram. We don't put it on Facebook. Uh, we keep doing what we do. And, you know, it's hard in the face of, you know, we had to be in a hotel for a couple weeks and then at different stents and still going to work, still doing church, still doing all the things that we do. And the Lord has taught us a lot. It's kind of hard because I... I haven't unpacked it all, you know, because uh, I kind of feel like it was my fault. I was saying, Lord, I want a fresh start for 2020, and then we got a flood. So <laughs> and, and, it, it does create a fresh start. And so we're, we're very blessed, and at the same time, we're learning a lot of lessons. And I think that it translates into the church this way. When you pray for God to do things in your life, all of a sudden, you see all the dirt. You see all the nooks and crannies and all. So what, what ended up being that we had a flood and then we had to redo the floors and take out the carpets and we could see all the dirt. We could start seeing all the other imperfections. Yeah. Cracks, leaks, this, that. And if it wasn't one thing, it was another. Mm-hmm. And at one point I was like, Lord, come on. I can't handle this no more. <laughs> the Holy Spirit convicted me. He says, you, you were willing to live and settle with those imperfections. When I've called you to a different level of excellence. And not perfection, but excellence. Okay? And so, I'm kind of struggling in terms of the Lord is helping me redefine my relationship with Him. I've been serving in the church since 1990. And the Lord is saying, okay, you have some of the basics. Now we're going to elevate it. And uh, the hard part is, I, I, I want it to be like done yesterday, right? And I just want it to be over with. 
But the Lord wants me to learn and understand what I settled for. Because of the culture that we're in as far as religion and faith. See, depending on what church you go to, there is a, a certain culture and a behavior that is your expectation. And, and so when we were in worship right now, <clears throat> pardon me, the Lord, the Lord showed me something that has tried to attack this church. And, uh, and if you don't come in the contrary spirit, you're going to be in trouble. In the book of 2 Samuels, it, it, Samuel, it says that when David danced before the Lord and came out of his clothes, his wife criticized him. And when she criticized him, his response was, I'll become more undignified because God picked me over your dad. Uh, you're, not, you're not hearing me. <laughs> God picked you over somebody else. Uh, you don't really care. That's fine. I do. I do. It's important to me. And I'm not saying... But what about the other person? Hey, they didn't want it. They despised it. God, God speaks to everybody. If you despise it, como dicen en mi iglesia, hay de usted. Okay? In Spanish, that means, in Spanish, I'm saying, oh, that poor you. You missed it. Okay? I mean, I'm serious. I want to sit across the table from you and, and really shake you up this morning. Okay? Because I just kind of feel like we need to talk about some things. For where you're going. There's a little bit of ring. I'm sorry, in the, in the thing, if we could get that out. Okay, you guys ready? Yes. You don't feel ready. That's okay. I'm, I'm, like the youth say, I'm more woke than you this morning. <laughs> I am woke, okay? And it doesn't have anything to do with time change or anything. I'm just woke this morning. And I'm excited about what the Lord is saying. Now I'm gonna get geared up, okay? It's not emotionalism, it's passion. So if you get it twisted, that's on you. Okay? Seriously. Some of y'all should be more excited than you are, not because of emotion, but because God chose you. He should not have chose you. I wouldn't have chose you. But he he saw something in you. And because he saw something in you, like I don't get God. I really don't. Some of you are so, so stubborn in all your ways. He's good in all his ways. You're stubborn in all your ways. And, and the thing that trips me out is how insistent we are on, on, on holding on to our ways. We are so insistent. That's how I was raised. That's how I'm going to die. God bless you. Don't complain to God when you get to heaven and you didn't see the other side of blessing. Because that's what happens. And God, why don't you do this? And, and I'm telling you right now, I have testimonies that will, I mean, I'm hearing some stuff that will blow your mind. And you'll say, God, don't do that. Says you, not, not God. Do you understand that the Gospels tell us, the Gospel of John, okay, huddle up. The Gospels tell us that if we, there's not enough books to write all the things that God did and said there's, we can't contain it. 
And so sometimes people get in this weird mindset that, you know, I'm not, I'm being careful. You know, I'm being real careful this season. Because what happens is when I talk about things in my church, people try to turn it into a formula. Mm-hmm. Or they try to turn it into something like, well, you said this, 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 and this. I did. Now think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad, folks. I'm just passionate, okay? Mm-hmm. But I need you guys to get this for this move you're about to make. Go with me to Philippians 3. And just stay at Philippians 3, and I'm going to just share a little bit here. Just have it ready, and then we're going to read. Sometimes, sometimes, in our good churches, sometimes in our good, solid, biblical churches, we feel pressured to act a certain way. We feel pressured by the norms that, that, that church has set. We feel pressured by it. And, and it's a subtle pressure. It's so subtle. It's so subtle. You say something, you do something, everybody, hmm. Hmm. And it is, it is subtle, but it is per, per, it is persuasive in the sense that what happens is this. We think and we believe that, that the, are, there are these norms that we have in the church that distinguish us from levels of spirituality. So much so that it influences our perspective, how you dress, how you talk, what political party you're part of, what you believe on certain issues. It's, it's, it's a, it's a evangelical subculture that comes in and says this. Now you might be saying you're Christian, but if you're really Christian, this is what you believe and this is what you do. And, and it has nothing to do with relationship with Jesus. It has everything to do with what's happening in the culture. And so what happens is it gets so ridiculous that we all of a sudden start even questioning people about how spiritual they are. Remember when Jesus is getting his feet washed and they all commented and said, if he really was a prophet, he'd know who's touching his feet. But because they were so undiscerning, they didn't understand that Jesus was looking for an opportunity to teach them something greater than their religion. And so what happens is we've adopted that spirit that says, okay, 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 okay. I believe in Jesus. I'm in. I believe in God. I'm a Bible believer. However... As almost as if Jesus is not enough. But we need to, we need to colonize Jesus. We need to make Jesus part of our history in such of a way that Jesus and God are for us and no one else. We, we, we take it to the extreme to say that, that, that if you don't agree with me, then I question your spirituality. 
You know, there are some very controversial issues going on right now. Yeah, my, my sister is working, she's going to be leaving to Chile in May. And uh, she's working with some groups, she's going to start a house of prayer, and she's also going to do some rescue work for, for trafficking. And she's just praying, she's, she's getting things ready, all this stuff. And there's this group that's very difficult because it, it, it creates a lot of controversy because this group, Christian, and wanting to rescue young ladies, they go and they hand out condoms. Gotcha, huh? Look at you, you're like, whoa, hey, 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 that's the devil. But, but this is their heart. This is their heart. They want to keep the girls alive long enough to, to get them saved. What do you do with that? What do you do? What do you do with that? And so people say, that's not God with the D on it. Right? Yeah, yeah, two Do you hear what I'm saying? And, and, and so all of a sudden, what do you do with that? Because your whole life, and I'm not telling you to go start a condom ministry, okay? No, no, no but no, hear what I'm saying to you. When we create this ideology that Jesus is not enough, and we need to create a subculture of all these norms, I had a person tell me, how come you don't tell people you're a pastor? Are you ashamed? I had to slap you. I'm serious. I'm like, no. My title doesn't make me a believer. The fruit in my life does. The church is so trying to get a title going. The church is, some people are trying to get a title going on so that everybody goes, you're the spiritual one. Oh, you're the wisest out of us all. And you're the meanest rattlesnake in the church. But you're spiritual. You're spiritual. And Paul was confronting this in Philippi. He was was confronting this because what was happening was this. Missionaries were coming from Jerusalem. (laughs) Jerusalem. Right? Listen to what I'm saying. And and this is the mother church. Right? The mother of spirituality. Here they come. And they start telling them, hey, listen, this is telling the Gentiles, it's good to be Christian. But to be a better Christian, you got to live like a Jew. You know, we've lost a few people in our church who felt that we weren't honoring God because we weren't following the Jewish calendar. And we weren't recognizing the feast and we weren't recognizing. Listen, I I don't get into those silly debates. But people that felt like, thought y'all was Bible believing. You guys aren't honoring the feast. You guys aren't honoring the calendar. Listen, I respect history. I respect the history of the church. Don't get it twisted. I am not angry. I am telling you, folks, there is a direction that God is taking. There is a reason that all these things collided, that they needed territory, that that you guys got offered this situation that you got offered. Listen, listen, listen. There is a reason all this is colliding. If you're not in tune, you're going to turn this into a monument and not a movement. 
And this is where God is wanting to warn you. You need to be careful when you start adding your culture and your norms to what the Spirit of God is doing. Because we have a tendency to mess it up. God does sovereign things in our life and then we add something to it. And then we twist something to it. Instead of repenting daily, God, I got it wrong. I got this wrong. Oh, I'm not, not in my church. That's the problem. It's not your church. It's his church. It's his church. I'm not mad. I just want you to be ready. Okay, let's read this. And then you you can tell, you can blame it on Paul because Paul sounds mad to me. Okay. Questioning of our spirituality, the right. Okay, so here we go. You guys ready? Start with verse one. My beloved ones. I'm, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. If that's a problem for you, I'm sorry. If you need the King James Version, you go ahead and read the King James Version. I just like this version, okay? Listen, if you think I'm poking fun at you, I am. Okay? I am. Because we get hung up on the stupidest things and we miss God's blessing in our life. I've had arguments with people that say, why do you use that version? Why do you use different versions? Why don't you just use the King James Version? I don't even give it time of day. I'm like, I'm not even going to talk to you about it. I have people talking about, you use the NIV? That's the non-inspired version. It's like, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. God is trying to get a hold of your life. Would you wake up and get better and not bitter? And get into what God is calling you to do. Well, that's, I just, I know you just don't. Argue with God when you get to heaven. On earth, do his will. Here we go. Verse one. Jeez. <laughs> Beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy. Amen. Now this, now I'm talking to the white folk, okay? <laughs> you all think it's emotionalism. And Paul's saying, don't limit your joy. There you go. Don't limit your expression in worship. <sighs> That's, oh. Pastor Paul was emotional this morning. That's why he yelled. No, the Holy Spirit landed on me and I was like, hey! I'm not even man enough to handle it. You don't know. That's okay. It's okay. Don't ever limit the joy or fail to rejoice. There's a difference. When joy comes on you, don't limit it. But when you rejoice, don't fail to rejoice. That's you. One's God moving on you. The other one's you moving towards God. In wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written to you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach you that you should be circumcised to please God. For we have already experienced heart circumcision. Do you understand? The Lord confronted people that were worried about the outside of the cup and not the inside of the cup. Is your heart been circumcised? Are there some, is there some trash in you that needs to be cut away? Mm, mm, Getting quiet. It's all right. And we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in Jesus Christ 
and what Jesus Christ has done and not and what we can accomplish on our own strength. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and to impress people with my accomplishments more than others. For my pedigree was impeccable. This is Paul. And he said, I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as a son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. And not only that, but I was circumcised on the eighth day after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separate and devout life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal. Yet, 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 all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and I regard it all as nothing compared to what? To the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. I'm going to pause right there. Paul is an intelligent person. He is a, he is a scholar of, of, of his day. He's not some emotional, a lot of people could discredit the move of God because, oh, they're dumb fishermen. But with Paul, it was a whole nother level. This dude was smart. He was smarter than smart. He was probably smarter than all of us put together in this room. And yet, he said, all of that I counted as loss from the experience. Doesn't say the knowledge. Not the information about Jesus, but the experience of knowing him. The, the encounter that he had with him. And the problem is, is that we, I had, I had another guy come in. I had a lot, I got a lot of crazies in LA. Trust me. You, I know, I know you don't have no crazies in here, but in LA we got a few crazies, right? And I had another guy come in and say, well, you know, are you dividing the word according to, because there's a lot of interpretation. And I said, how do you know the Lord? And he just kind of, what? How do you know the Lord? Tell me how you know him. Through, through the Bible. Okay. But how do you know him? Did you have an experience? I, I read and I believed. That's it? Okay. That's cool. I'm good. And he's like, bah, 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 bah. we'll just leave it at that. He sat in the worship and was just, <laughs> he had an experience. He had an encounter with God. He didn't talk to me about it after. He was easy to, he was, he was ready to criticize me. But when you have an encounter with the Lord, that's, that's a different level. And all of a sudden, some of your questions and some of your doubts and some of your fears and some of that goes away. I, I think I might have shared this, but I, we had a, we had a very interesting testimony that my dad shared with me about one that he had heard about a transgender, uh, gentleman that started attending a church. And he, he, he wanted to go to, uh, the women's Bible study. And the pastor said, well, that, that's fine. But we're going to have a man there that just for safety, because we don't understand what's going on with you. But you can come. 
and but we're going to be taking safeguards. And so there was an agreement, and this transgender person went to the Bible study with the women, and while they were in the Bible study, the Lord walked in the room. And nobody else saw it, but this person fell to the ground, and the Lord walked right up to him. And the person said, without a doubt, every fiber in me knew I was a man. Without question. And he said, and he, and he wept because he said, he didn't judge me, he loved me. Now, now, I want you to be careful because what happens is we turn down and say, why would God do that? Because he loves people. For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. Not that one, says you. I don't get it. I'm not saying I get it. I'm, I'm not saying I get it. And I'm not, I didn't come here to convince you to accept what God has been stirring in my heart. What I am saying is you, you need to be conscious. You need to be, in our, in our society today, we have lost an emotional intelligence. Because what we're doing is we're just reactive to everything instead of just going, God, what are you really doing here? Why, why is this happening? Instead of like, eliminate the problem. Wait, wait, wait. Holy Spirit, what is happening here? Why am I seeing this? That's relationship. Religion is, I rebuke you. And there are things you need to rebuke. But is this not a relationship with the Lord? Yes. Boy, it's not a test, folks. Is this not a relationship with the Lord? Yes. Yes. It is. And if you don't take this relationship with him personal, you may miss out on some things. And don't don't be mad. You just might miss it. Ready? Here we go. Back to verse 8. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing away all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's like a pile of manure to me now. (laughs) Y'all understand manure here, right? Yes? All that he accomplished, everything that happened, is like a pile of manure to me now. So that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embracing him as the Lord in all of his greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him. And not clinging to my own righteousness based on keeping the written law. My righteousness will be this. Based on the faithfulness of Jesus Jesus Christ. The very righteousness that comes from Him. And continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully. And to experience the overflowing power of His resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his suffering. This is where I lose a lot of people. This is where we lose people. In the suffering. So, so we have this flood. I happened to be home that day. And I went to the, to, to the hardware store, Home Depot in, our, in California. I know you have them here, but Home Depot. And I'm in Home Depot, and, and Victoria was there with the contractor. They were doing something. I was picking some stuff up. And I get a call from Victoria. Slide it. Hello. And I hear all this commotion. And I hear her running. I'm like, hey, can you hear me? And she's, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm like, are they trying to kidnap her? Like, what's going on? Like, I'm serious. I was like, is something happening? Like, 
Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's, she's running, and I'm just like, and, I, and I'm driving, and I'm trying to stay calm, and I'm trying not to go 100 miles an hour home. And so I'm just like, Tori, Tori, you are, right? and then, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And all of a sudden I just, and then finally, I don't know where she was, she goes, come home now! And I'm just like, oh my God. Okay, okay, she goes, the house is flooded. So I come in, and there's about this much water throughout our house. And I'm sitting there, and I walk in, I see her, she's okay, my heart's fine, I'm good. I don't care about the water. I care about her. So I'm like, okay, I'm okay. The, the, the guy who was working on our, on our, our stuff, the foreman, his, his handiworker comes up to me and he has tears in his eyes and he's just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and I tell you, I just looked at him and the Lord gave me so much compassion for him. And I just looked at him and said, hey, son, look, look at me, look at me, look at me. We're good, man. It's okay. And his eyes filled with tears, and he was just like, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. And I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. Hey, listen to me. I put my hand on his chest. You're going to be all right. And, and, and Christians, folks, Christians telling me, I would have cussed him because that's what's in you. That's what's in you. There's not love in you. God's real relationship with Jesus, you should be full of love and forgiveness and mercy and compassion. But it didn't come out when you're trying to act Christian. It comes out when, when you have the option of not being Christian. So that all of a sudden, when, when all the manure hits the fan, now let's see what's in you. Now let's see. I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm talking about in the moment when you see somebody is in greater pain than you, do you really matter at that moment? Jesus is on the cross, man. He's being, he's being crucified. It's unbearable and he's asking the Father to forgive who? For they don't know what they're... Do you understand? The Lord looks at our stupidness sometimes and the Lord forgive them. They just don't get it. I'm a good father. They just don't get it. I'm for them. They just don't get it. I'm just trying to straighten out that crooked path in them. Father, they don't get it. I've been trying to bless them. They've been trying to do it on their own. Father, forgive them. They don't get it. They got these things in them that I'm trying to take out, and they're clinging to them. Hmm. All the angry emails you get, Larry, just forward them to me. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Verse 10 again. And I will continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and experience his... Now, look, look at this. He says, to know the wonders. There's a mystery in Jesus. And then he says, to experience the overflowing power. Do you understand the Lord wants to give you power, not just power, but overflowing power? The problem is, it's not to build your kingdom, it's to build His. Okay? So sometimes the Lord will, will, will wait till you understand a certain level of responsibility on how to handle power and authority. Yes? No? Okay. That's alright. I like it. Overflowing power, 
of his resurrection working in me, I will be one with him in his sufferings. And I will be one with him in his death. Only then I will be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. Verse 12, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me and wants me and wants me to discover. God is not hiding stuff from you because he's cruel. He wants you to discover it and value it. We want things just, God, give me power, give me power so I can fix everybody. You don't value God's power until you, until you understand what it costs. Okay? I know there's prophecies. The Lord's going to pour out His Spirit, pour out power, and we go, yeah! But we don't get ready for it. We don't get ready for it. What we do is, well, when it comes, it comes. No, no, no. There's some crooked stuff in you that needs to get straightened out so that that doesn't turn against you. (sighs) I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this, verse 13. However, I do one compelling, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Hey folks, when you move, you move. This was a blessing. This was foundational. Boom. Forgetting this, let's look at the future. I'm not saying don't value this. I'm saying this was a season. Amen. I value it. I grew. I matured. Now, this is the future. Okay? So let all, let all, let all. So okay, so I'm sorry, verse 14. I run straight to the divine invitation to reach heavenly goal and gaining victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. 15. So let all who are fully, fully, fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, what desires? What desires? To know Him? Know Him? Share with Him? Experience Him, His power? If It says right here, so let all who are fully mature have this passion. If anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, the desires to know Him, the desires to to walk with Him, the desires to, to, to really understand suffering, I'm not talking to look for pain. When they flooded our house, they filled our house with, with, was it six or eight? I think it was six, I think it was eight heaters and dehumidifiers. And they raised the temperature in the house to a hundred degrees. And at that time, we didn't, we didn't have any money to go to a hotel. So for 12 days, we were in that condition. And I mean, literally, it was so hot, and there's these fans going. We couldn't sleep. I mean, there was just days where I got up and said, Jesus, just take me now. Take me now. There were just times where we were just crying like, man. And at one point in the whole, the whole thing, I just said, Lord, what are you teaching me? Oh, I just felt the comfort and the embrace of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not, I don't need to tell you 
what he told me. I experienced him in the middle of our suffering. There was just disappointment after disappointment. We, we didn't get to have Thanksgiving together as a family. We didn't get to have Christmas together as a family. We didn't get to have New Year's together as a family. We're still living out of boxes. Now Luke is born. We want to bring him to our house. We can't do that because there's just so, too much is unfinished and we're just, we just can't do it. And we're sitting there going, ah, ah. But something shifted in us that we started saying, Lord, you're good. You're good, Father. This hurts. And, and, you know, people in the church mad at me. People in the church mad at me. It's like, Pastor, you've been different. There's a flood in my house. Oh, is that still going on? Is that still happening? They haven't cleaned that up yet? You should sue them. You should sue them. Why don't you pray for me? Instead of giving me advice about suing people. You know, get yours, pastor. Get yours. Sue them. Instead of saying, man, let me pray for you. They just, we'll pray for you. Be, be blessed and be warm. And walk, and walk the way. People come up to me and say, I feel like you're mad at me. Because I'm focused. Because I'm going through something right now and I'm focused and I'm not focused on you and I'm focused on my family. Yeah, you just feel weird. <sighs> I mean, you're like People judging me. I, I wasn't posting it. I wasn't getting up every Sunday going, pray for us. We're going through so much. I got up, same passion, same love, same hope, same joy, same excitement for their, what they're going on with them. There were just moments when I would turn to the side and I wasn't all, hey, 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 what's going on? I was just a little more like, I got to get home. I got to get back to doing stuff. I got to get back to doing this. I got to get ready for work. All this stuff. Little things. Okay, this may not bother you, but in the middle, at the height of all what's going on, I want you to listen to me. Even the little things. I was showing, because of everything that was going on, I was, it was harder to get to time on work. I was anywhere from five to ten minutes late. That's it. I'm usually there. Boom, point. Five to ten minutes late. I had told all my coworkers, hey, this is why I'm late, blah, 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 blah. They wrote me up. They wrote you up. Mm. And so I had to come in there, and I mean, my coworkers were like mad, like, man, you're a good, you're a good person. Why, man, I'd complain to the union and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, Slow down. So I went in my office and I started praying. I said, Lord, what, what is that? So I went to my supervisor and I said, thanks. Thanks for writing me up. I need, I need to get focused not on me, but on what's going on here. And I said, I just needed to let you know, we're living in a hotel right now. This is the situation. He just looks at me and goes, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I, I did need to get my heads out of the clouds. I appreciate you telling me that. I, I'll, I'll make an effort. No, 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 Paul, you just do it. No, brother. There was a reason you wrote me. That's fine. I got it. I appreciate it. What? If I... Some of us don't want to accept discipline. It's only five minutes! I know, but the Lord called me on it. There's just little things God calls you on. You're like, that's the devil. It's not the devil. That's not the devil. There's little things he's tweaking on you. Here we go. 
Verse 15. So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And let us advance together, together, to reach the this victorious prize following one path with one passion. My beloved friends, imitate my walk with God and follow all those who walk according to the way of life we model before you. Jump over with me to Galatians. Galatians 3, and I'm going to finish with this, okay? Galatians 3. And we're looking at verses 26 through 29. But I have... I have a I have the message, okay? So it's a different version. We already cleared that up, I think. You guys ready? Here we go. But now you have arrived at your destination. Now this is for you guys. So pay attention. Now you have arrived at your destination. What's your destination? The new church? No, 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 no. No, no. That's that's not your destination. This this is this is your this is your destination. Maturity in God. Okay, doesn't mean you stop maturing. It means it means you have gone through stuff and God has been preparing you for something greater than you just taking care of yourself. Look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I, I just need you because it helps me focus. I need to know that you're, you're going to your heart is open to this. God has been maturing you for something greater. Moses had to be in the desert for 40 years I, I, I was listening to Janine's preaching about the don't get mad at the staff he gave you. I was screaming. I don't. I, I couldn't hear y'all. Maybe it was, the, I don't know, but I was screaming at my house when she stopped and said, some of you need to get up because you resent the staff God gave you. I was like, ah! I was screaming. I was like, that is so good. I'm going to steal that. And so, uh, and so I was so excited about that because it's the maturing process. God saying that you would do greater things is not about you acquiring wealth or blessing. It's about you being so in the beloved that you exude Jesus wherever you go. And you exude him in such a way that people are drawn to you, not because of your gift, but because of the, of the presence of God in you. Okay, okay. But now you have arrived at your destination. By faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. That's why I chose this this version. Christ's life. The fulfillment of God's original promise. The original promise is you will be like him. And it is an adult wardrobe that has nothing to do with age. It has to do with you having the ability to not be reactive, but to be that person that stops and goes, okay, what is the Lord doing here? Versus, I don't accept this. And, and then realizing you're not in the presence of God, you're in the presence of your flesh. Because you're trying to adjust something for your comfortability. 
My son has been preaching two, he preached two sermons that just messed me up. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like looking at this boy like, where did you steal that from? Because I wanted to steal that. <laughs> but one of the things he says, if God were to answer all your prayers, would your life be more comfortable or would God be glorified? I chomped on that for a month. I mean, I was like, if God answered all my prayers, would I be more comfortable or would God be glorified? Huh? That's to the, that's a whole nother sermon. That's something you have to unpack in a month. And because my son said it, I said, man, he still owes me money. I don't even need to listen to him. No, no, no. It came from, it came from the Holy Spirit. And I took it and I was like, man, that is so good. And I, and, and, and so, so here, here, it says, your baptism in Christ, your salvation, was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in adult faith wardrobe, Christ life, Christ in you. Okay? And in Christ's family, there, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is... We are all in common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendants, heirs according to the covenant promise. The original promise is this. He will be in you. You will be in him. And you will be like him in this world. In this world. And we're, we need to stop all this subculture and creating this atmosphere that is not honoring his presence, but honoring our beliefs. That's why you can't get out of yourself to worship. That's why you can't. Because, because you think if somebody sees you crying, they're going to think something's wrong. That if you raise your voice and are glad to just be alive, if you just realize, hey man, it's just good to be in the house because I could be dead. I could be drunk. I could be on drugs. I could be in a real serious situation. And by your grace, I'm here. And I, that, 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 that worship rises up in me and says, Hey, I'll be, I'm more, I'll be more undignified than that because you chose me over somebody else. And I don't hold back. And I grow up. I grow up in my worship. I grow up in my giving. I grow up in the things that God's called me to. I don't care. And I, I'm, I'm going to be careful. I love you folks, okay? I don't care what you, if you approve of me. I don't care if you guys think I'm whatever. I don't. I, don't, I want to know him. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the suffering. Because we all suffer. We all go through something. But I want to know him in it. I want to know him in it. That's why this is, this is key things that sometimes I think, should I, should I, should I, should I preach this? And then Larry gets up there and says, there's another in the fire. I'm like, oh, come on. To know him, to know him, to know him, to know him. And to not create this subculture that says, you'd be more Christian if you were a little more Jewish. You'd be more Christian if you looked a little more Republican, you'd be more Christian. Do you understand? I grew up in this. I grew up in this culture. I grew up in it. My grandmother would not wear pants to save her life. 
because it was unholy. We had to keep it a see. Somebody, somebody's still wondering if if, sir, if, if if this is my grand. I grew up in this culture. My grandma did not want us going to the movies. You couldn't go. It was sin. TV was bad. Pants were bad. Color your hair. Where where you could poke holes. Oh my God. Tattoo, you just branded yourself for the devil. Oh, I'm telling you. Do you understand? And and the and the problem is that that those things stick with us, so that we're not open to what God is doing now, because it supersedes my comfortability. And so we start. It's not just about Jesus; it's about Jesus and what makes me comfortable. Why? got this friend at work. Did you witness to him, brother? Did you invite him to church? See, we don't really, we're not really moved by anything until it touches us. Until it touches our parameters, our boundaries. See, I can say all sorts of stories and say, oh, that's no big deal. I'm open to that. I'm open to that. I'm open to that. No, no! That's the devil. And I'm not telling you to be gullible. I'm not saying be gullible and be open to everything. But can we start to really start to discern, Lord, what are you doing? And humble ourselves. And this is what the Lord told me. That, that, that spirit of Mikhail has trying to come in here and squash your worship. And so for some of you, it's like, well, I'm going to wait to see what happens. Let's see what happens at the new church. Because if they do some certain things at the new church, I ain't happy. And I better have a say. (laughs) It's subtle, right? I better have a say. Because I was there in the bad times. And I gave my tithe there. And I was that person who didn't give up when everybody else gave up. So now it's time to recognize when we go to the new spot, I better have a little bench with my name carved in it. <laughs> or I at least better have a brick that says, you know, founders of city of refuge, 19 whatever. Right? Right, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, I'm not listen. I'm not saying you can't do a wall of dedication, or I'm not saying none of that. But what I'm what I'm telling you is this: that sometimes supersedes knowing Him. You know, I was so excited over here. If you noticed, I was so excited. I was cracking up because I said the Holy Spirit spoke to me on the way here through just some random stuff, man. It's random to it would be random to you. That's why I don't tell you. It's not random to me. The Lord knows my language. But the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm about to blow their minds. I'm about to blow their minds. So I, I, I don't know what that means. But I start cracking up because some of you think you're ready to retire. And just be the critics of the church. Because, because you're old enough now to critique and not have no filters. And you don't have, I don't, I don't need no filters. I can save my mind. Yeah, I know. You need to build up the next generation with hope. Hope. Amen. Two weeks ago, the Lord, th- three, weeks ago, three weeks ago, the Lord gave me a dream. And I'm going to share it tonight. 
And, and I, it was an extremely prophetic dream. And I'm careful because uh, people think I'm trying to build new doctrine on dreams. I don't do that. I use the word of God. And the Lord gave me scripture for every part of it in the dream. But one of the things that, that really stood out to me is the importance of the next generation. Are you going to give them your bitter grapes? Your critique of the church? Or are you going to give them Jesus? Are you going to give them Jesus? Because that's what it's about. Victoria's going to come and minister a song and then we'll pray for you guys.
Would you stand, please? Simply, simply put, it's it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And some of you have added to Jesus. And it's been impeding your joy. That's why the first thing Paul starts with is he says, Rejoice. Don't limit your joy. And we've limited our joy because we say, God, until you fix this, this country is going to hell in a handbasket. Till you change these people, till you do this, till you do that. And it's like, rejoice. Jesus is still on the throne. He's got this. We just need to be obedient to what He's calling us to. To the changes and the adjustments and the circumcisions of your heart. If you can admit that, if you can start there and say, Lord, there's some things in my heart that I've added for my comfortability. Because I don't know how to deal with this. Because I don't want to deal with this. I'm not calling any of you to ministry. I'm calling you to be in relationship with Jesus. I am, brother, according to you. According to you. You could be offended with what I'm saying. Because the Holy Spirit confronted me. Paul, you're putting terms on this. You're putting what you want on this. And I had to repent. Repent's not a bad word. It's not. We think repentance is a bad word. That means I messed up. You did. And you need to change. If you're over 50, can you just raise your hands? You are not retired. In the name of Jesus, I cancel your retirement plan. Okay? I just want you to hold on. I cancel your retirement plan. And there's some of you that you didn't save up for your retirement, and the Lord's going to bless you. The Lord's going to provide for you. But I, I really feel this right now. That just the heat of the love of God in your hands, in your heart for the next generation. Father, I release that over them to be grandparents to this coming generation. One of the things I discovered about being a grandparent, it is the best promotion in the world. Because I just love them and send them home with the parents. And they clean their poopy. But in the time that they're with me, I just love them. Father, I release the heart of being a grandparent to this generation that you would not withhold loving this generation into the kingdom. Holy Spirit, I bless what you're doing. Now, those of you that are under 50, raise your hands. Okay? You got work to do. You got work to do. Okay? So, Father, Strengthen their arms. Strengthen their hearts. Strengthen their passion for you. Father, I pray right now that they would not be distracted by the culture of our day. 
but that they would rejoice in that you have chosen them, that you know them by name, that you know them and you've been a good father to them, even if they were orphaned, even if they didn't have somebody that was raising them. Lord, by your spirit, you raised them. (laughs) By your spirit, you raised them. You brought people into their life that loved them and encouraged them and built them up. And so, Lord, I pray that they just go from that place of being grateful that you love them to start loving and practicing that love with this next generation. Yeah. You're going to be the workhorses of what's coming. The grandparents are going to be the lovers of of people that come in. But you guys are going to be the workhorses. Don't resent it. Don't resent it. You're going to be the, you're going to be the feet to the vision. You're going to be the hands to the building. Okay? All right. Father, I bless them. I bless this house. Father, I just want to take a moment here. Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for all that it did for City of Refuge. I thank you for just the seasons that they were here. Thank you for providing a roof over their head and a place of fellowship and a community in this place. We thank you, Father, for this house. And now we thank you for where we're moving to. And I bless this house and I bless this land. And I pray now, Father, that this blessing would transfer to the new place. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Let them know how much you love them and appreciate that they came today. God bless you guys. Whew.